Hi, and welcome back to On the Job with Porak. I'm Brian Marvel, president of Porak. With me is Porak Vice President Damon Kurtz. Uh, we took a hi- nine-month hiatus, so what better way to kickstart the series again by having our legislative advocate Randy Perry on. Randy has 26 years of experience as a lobbyist with Aaron Reed & Associates, an additional 15 years as a manager and chief legislative advocate for Porak. Yes, Randy at one point in time was Porak staff. Randy has written and lobbied legislation ranging from labor and workers' compensation issues to local government funding and laws increasing penalties for crimes against the public. He has an extensive background with association grassroots programs and has worked or managed every aspect of an issue in candidate campaigns, and he himself was a candidate for Congress many distant years ago. Randy, it's an honor to have you on here. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate it. Well, let's get uh, started. You know, obviously, um, you know, we've had a pretty rough several years uh, dealing with the legislators and the legislative body here in Sacramento when it came to uh, legislation, um, you know, a lot of a lot of reactionary legislation. I felt like this year we might see a little bit tempered down, but uh, there were still some bills uh, that are going to affect our profession, and um, we've jumped all over them. And we're going to talk about a few of them today just to, uh, to update the membership on what's going on in Sacramento. Obviously, the, uh, the defund stupidity is sort of waning, um, but there still is some you know, folks out there pushing to, to really hamper our ability to keep our community safe. So we'll go ahead and start off with uh, one of the first bills that we, uh, we had a lot of conversation about, and that's uh, Assembly Bill 93. By Assemblymember Brian, um, it's about consent searches on stops. Um, you know the backstory on that is um, there's a real big push by the RIPA board to have peace officers not make traffic stops, basic traffic stops for for pretty much anything. Obviously, this was a a watered down bill in a sense, but the reality is is they. Uh, they wanted to uh, to hamper our ability to make stops, and when you do make a stop, they wanted to dramatically reduce our ability to to search a vehicle, and that's really what this bill is about. And um, maybe you can give us a little bit of an update on that, Randy. Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, I think you know. Th- again, thank you for having me. I know this has been a crazy year, and the last six years have been crazy. This year alone, we're tracking and working nearly 300 bills for PORAC. Uh, PORAC Executive Committee and Board of Directors have taken active positions, which means that we lobby for or against a bill directly on 51 bills this year. And so far, with the legislature just finishing what we call the halfway point, where bills have to be out of their house of origin, which was last Friday was a deadline, and then any bills moving to the other house begin the process again of policy committees, et cetera. Um, we have already stopped 23 bills. So there are some bad bills out there, but uh, we jumped on early and killed some bad ones. AB 93 was one of those when Assembly Member Isaac Bryan, who's a freshman, uh, came in. I think he 
kind of made a commitment to uh, serious police reform in his view. This is one of those bills. This bill was introduced and it banned all consent searches that you could not ask someone, period, whether or not you could search their vehicle. If you want to search their vehicle or search their body, if you're on the st- walking on the street, you would have to stop them and then get a search warrant if you suspected something. He amended the bill down to probable cause. So if you only if you had probable cause, could you then ask them for a consent? Um, he also amended the bill that made it mandatory that if you asked them for consent, you had to have proof of that consent, which included either written consent, a, ver- a, a, a video consent of some type, or a, an audio consent. Uh, we still actively oppose the bill. The bill came up last Friday. It was sitting on the floor for six weeks, finally came up Friday, and we stopped the bill. It needed 41 votes and got 39 in the end. We debated outside the chambers of the assembly floor. Uh, He and I did in front of about 15 assembly members, went back and forth, back and forth, till he finally committed to PORAC that if the bill moved to the Senate, he would not move that bill until we had a deal. And we said okay, but made it very clear we were still adamantly opposed to the bill on the floor. I think that statement alone showed what happened to the bill because they went back, lifted the call on the bill, and it never did get 41 and died. Didn't he ultimately lower the standard to reasonable suspicion? He did. Well, that was a that was an offer. Right. Oh, that was okay. an offer to us. All but, right. you know, I'll be honest with you. I think the thing that, that held sway was in front of everyone. We told everyone that he. this is the first time that he and I had spoken on the bill. And this bill had been in print for f- four or five months. This is the first time that he had ever spoken with Porak about this bill. And he and, and everybody was a bit dismayed by that. They were like, are you serious? And they asked him straight up, and he says, that's, that's correct. So, and we, this was the last bill, and they were ready to go home. They were, ready, they were supposed to leave at noon. This was 2 o'clock. The bill's still on call. They have no other business. They're literally sitting there while we're out for an hour. And... and when I put a phone call into you and our attorneys, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And you guys were giving me direction. I would go back, and they're all just sitting waiting for that. And uh, I think in the end, people were not happy that we were cut, trying to cut a deal on something so serious in the last five minutes of the legislative session. So they just said no, no. Well, it's quite and interesting the way that some of these you know, legislators are where they just dig in, and they're, they refuse to even have conversations which to me is um, counterintuitive to what your role is as a legislator. You're elected to come up here and you're, you're trying to pass laws that are going to affect everybody in the state. And in at least my opinion, it's incumbent on you to meet with all parties involved, even ones you don't agree with, to hear what their perspectives are because you're making decisions that are going to affect everybody. Absolutely. Um, and for them to just refuse to speak to us um, because we're quote-unquote law enforcement or whatever their personal feelings are, um, is, you know, it's it's uh, very close-minded, and um, I think it does a disservice to the communities that they serve and to the entire state of California. Well, I made a comment in front of all these legislators. I said, you know, I find it interesting that you have now been here for a year and a half and that you don't realize that all of the p- law enforcement reform, police reform, quote-unquote, 
that has happened in California, and California leads the nation in police reform, that PORAC has been at the table every single time on anything that's been successful in moving and that you chose not to meet with us on your bill. And that was kind of the final thing. They turned around, went in, and the bill died. So to yep. your point, I think is a big mistake on his part. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's interesting because when they go to the committees and they're running their bills through the, the legislature, you know, they're always talking about, well, you know, I'll meet with anybody. I'll meet with law enforcement. But the reality is, is they never really do. Uh, or if they do finally meet with us, it's just, a, you know, arms crossed. Yeah. And it's only a really, you know, just a few members who are actually like the most, yeah. all, nearly all the members will always have an open door to PORAC because they respect you guys. Yeah. Well, it's so. funny. I, I often say it, and you've heard me say it before, is that we, we argue on the, over the how, not the what, most of the time, right? Sometimes the what just is a non-starter. But, you know, what are you trying to accomplish with this bill? Let's talk about it, and maybe we can get you there. Maybe how you're going about it is our issue. Um, and maybe there's a common ground we can find, and often we do. Um, that's, that's the way this works. It's the way it's supposed to work. Um, but, you know, not having any kind of discourse is is detrimental in my opinion to to the whole process i agree we'll see if he brings this bill back absolutely well moving on to the next one and this has definitely been a hot button topic for uh for all of us uh i know damon and i have gotten a lot of phone calls a lot of questions on it and that's uh, assembly bill 742 by uh, assembly member jackson and this is in regards to uh the prohibition of canines usage um i I was shocked to see a bill like this, um, but part of me is like, am I really shocked? Um, it almost seems like there's this drive to uh, take away tools uh, away from peace officers to successfully um, get resolution without having to use force. And a canine, uh, you know, having worked the streets in 10 years, and I'm sure every peace officer in California can can talk about it when a canine has de-escalated a situation just by either being on the scene uh, or the barking alone. Um, and unfortunately, Assemblymember Jackson uses very inflammatory language uh, in describing how we utilize those dogs, which um, in my 25 years in law enforcement, I've, I've, we don't use the dogs that way, the way that he describes it. And what really made me upset was when he was at the press conference uh, and he said, uh, you know, the cops in California turned in their white sheets for badges. Um, that's not somebody who wants to work with peace, peace officers. That's not somebody who wants their community safe. Uh, and this bill showed exactly uh, what type of individual he is in regards to, uh, to taking tools away from us for keeping our community safe. It, it's funny. Uh, those at the, that scream the loudest about uh, racial bias seem to be the most biased people. They just don't recognize it or they don't care. Um, but, you know, the bias against law enforcement within some folks at the Capitol is just it, it's they don't even try to hide it anymore. And obviously the salacious uh, comments that he made um, really are, just serve no serve no purpose in this process. Uh, and, you know, there's a flaw. It's flawed legislation. And I think we showed that. Yeah, this is an example, again, of where had. Assemblymember Corey Jackson come to us and said, hey, you know, it's my understanding that there's not a whole lot of training, mandatory training or, or uniform training throughout the state on the use of canines. Can we do something about it? Let's get together some of the canine handlers, some of the canine trainers, 
and let's talk about what we can do and let's look at statistics and, and you know I mean seriously we could have sat down on this bill and said you're right let's talk about good uniform training statewide minimum standards like we did you know with our previous bill and let's uh, you know bring in the experts the handlers and the trainers and bring them in and talk about how often are they used what are they used for what are the best uses what is one department perhaps is a different use of canines because they're you know a, a small very urban you know yeah. berkeley for example versus a rural area like siskiyou county they're all different well, and and the reality is that. there's not a one-size-fits-all for this That's state right. our state is very diverse um, and how things are applied both uh, you know uh, through tactics are going to be different. I mean, if you're a deputy and you're, you know, 35, 45 minutes from your nearest backup, the way you deploy a canine and the way you just tactically handle your job is different than when you're in the inner city and you have five or six officers at every call. Um, it's just different, and you have to recognize that. Um, I mean, so in my experience, and probably Brian's also, our canines train a lot, and because you're dealing with an animal that it's that, you know, you can't just talk to them, right? You, know, you have to kind of train them and make sure that that repetition is there. So they're, and they're they're very well trained. Um, so it's a like I said, it was flawed legislation from its inception. Well, this legislation banned the use of them in arrests. So he was trying to he when there were a couple of people who met with him from law enforcement because he was told by the chair of public safety that you have to meet with law enforcement. Never reached out to us, but one or two of the other law enforcement lobbyists went in and met with him and he said look I'll talk about the bill but I'll never never move off of that the dog shall never be trained or shall never be used to bite and I mean what do you do with that right so anyway the bill failed yeah uh, this bill was not even brought up on the assembly floor by the way because the last count I had he only had 22 votes he needed 41 so this both Republicans and Democrats were saying, yeah, come on. Very nice. Well, the next other big bill that we got a lot of questions on was the uh, the geofencing, uh, the privacy in regards to um, search warrants. Um, it's uh, Assembly Bill 793 by Assemblywoman Bonta. Um, I know we had a lot of uh, amendment requests on that, and it sounded like uh, this one also came down to the last minute on the floor, so I'll let you explain what happened there. But um, it definitely appears that uh, uh, Assemblymember Mia Bonta is willing to work with us in the Senate to make the amends so we can continue to do what needs to be done, protecting our communities, but also having her having the ability for what she wants to do with making sure that we're not targeting people that are getting abortions or gender-affirming care. Yeah, she stated early on that that was the intent of the bill. The problem is she wrote the bill that so broad that it covered all reverse demands by law enforcement, all geofencing, et cetera. So early on, we went to their office and said, look, we probably don't have an issue with what you're trying to get at, if it's truly what you're trying to get at. But, you know, nothing happened. And again, here's a bill that moved all the way to the assembly floor. And then when she realized that she may be short on votes because there was a lot of opposition from the district attorneys, they were kind of taking the lead on this, um, she sat down and started finally talking with us. 
And so the district attorneys gave her some amendments. We all agreed with those amendments. If they took those amendments, uh, we would all go neutral. It was too late to actually adopt amendments, so we asked her to stand up on the assembly floor when she brought the bill up and make the statement that I am adopting all of these amendments. Well, the problem wasn't with the assembly one. The problem was the DA's amendments, um, one of the other uh, advocates caught some language in there that still was overly broad and would have affected us. So we went back to the DAs and said, hey, hey, what about this? And the DA said, oh, oops, we messed up. So what they did is we're literally in the last hour on Friday and took it back to Mia Bonta and she said, look, I think we may need some of that language for some other reason, I won't go into it, but let's discuss it. So she did stand up on the floor and she said, I am willing to take amendments. We have one small issue left that we have not had time to discuss, but we will work through this to get law enforcement off this bill. Yeah. And yeah. so the bill moved off. And the women legislators really, really wanted this bill for the reasons you stated. So we had the moderate Democrat leadership, you know, Blanca Rubio and the others, come out, Cotty Petrie Norris, and say, hey, if she says this, are you okay to, you know, we all go up and move the bill to Senate and then you continue? And, and everybody said, yeah. Yeah, that's just another piece of legislation that, in, in my opinion, um, we continue to see, it's, it's more fear-mongering than anything else. We do it with the immigration and now it's with the abortions and, and reproductive care that it's something that local law enforcement doesn't focus on. It's not our, it's not our jobs just like immigration it's not our jobs but there's this idea out there and if we, if we put it out there publicly people think that's what we're doing and it and it causes fear in the community that the police officers are actually like we're sitting outside the clinic trying to figure out who's going in there it doesn't happen hasn't happened it's not going to happen but we put legislation out there to put it in people's minds that 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 they're somehow protecting the public from us and it just again er erodes trust in law enforcement and it's part of that ongoing narrative and they may not be defunded anymore but it's still there you know creating doubt and mistrust with your local law enforcement and it's just this isn't one of our jobs so well hey well, let's uh we're getting close to our time limits here so we've got a couple more bills to go over um, why don't we just briefly talk about uh, Assembly Bill 807 by Assemblymember McCarty? Yeah, Assemblymember McCarty introduced a bill and was signed by the governor that said when an unarmed person is killed by law enforcement that the AG and Department of Justice will come in and do a, an investigation on that. This bill, AB 807, was introduced to expand that to all deaths. Uh, the, bill, the bill failed. Um, the attorney general's office even said, look, we don't have the bandwidth to do this. They are already taking heat for being so far behind on the previous just unarmed. And so uh, they don't have the bandwidth, they don't have the budget, so they actually told McCarty that they did not want this bill to pass. Yeah. So member McCarty dropped, you know, stopped the measure. Well, we stopped it, he didn't have the votes. I know they continue to put additional demands on the attorney general's office to do things that it's never done before. Uh, California's facing a tremendous budget deficit, and I just don't see the governor providing the necessary resources to be able to, to continue to expand the investigative duties from the AG's office when they're already, uh, uh, they're understaffed already in a variety of areas, and then now having to take on additional work. 
uh, I think is uh, is foolish. Um, why don't we just finish up with the last one, and that was the traffic bill, uh, SB 50 by uh, Senator Bradford. And this, like I talked a little bit earlier when I opened up the show, is just trying to prevent us from making traffic stops. Um, so where is that one at, and, and what are we doing? So SB 50 moved to the Assembly last week. Um, the bill was introduced because it was really based on RIPA data, on stops, on stop data that RIPA uh, board collects. And also what they were doing is basing the language on uh, Philadelphia who had passed a no stop. And remember what this, for the, for the listeners, this bill would, would, as introduced, would have stopped uh, law enforcement from making any what they called minor stops, uh, taillight violations, you know, uh, you know, vehicle registration issues, and they took the language right out of Philadelphia. There have been a couple of cities who have adopted similar policies, maybe not as broad or restrictive as this, but L.A. has a similar position, but they negotiated it. Our opposition wasn't just based on the fact that we should be able to stop folks. Our opposition was, look, this is another one of those issues that you talked about, Brian, where you can't paint the state with such a broad brush. Um, you should be, this is an issue that should be up to local government, whether or not they want their officers to be stopping people or not, or in limited circumstances. And this is a bargainable issue. This is terms and conditions of employment. And in LA and currently right now in San Francisco, they are at the table bargaining a similar uh, uh, proposal like this. So San Francisco's doing it for their citizens. LA did it for their citizens. So this bill, our opposition has been, let the locals make the decision on this type of stuff. By the way, what I also remind them is what they're basing it on is one city in another state. No one in, this, in the country has passed a statewide measure limiting stops. One city in Philadelphia, LA has a very limited proposal. A couple of other cities have done something similar, but they're all cities. Yeah, once again, you know, we're going to pass a statewide bill that affects everyone based on, you know, an issue that may be localized. Um, and we're not looking at the broader um, impacts of that. It, it's it's kind of ridiculous. And the things that happen from a minor traffic stop when it comes from investigations and the solving of crimes and preventing victims is it, it, it really would be a detriment to law enforcement and public safety. And it's a bit frustrating when they have so many fentanyl bills. They have bills trying to go after ghost guns and illegal firearms. And the last two or three major, major fentanyl busts that have had big press conferences by the attorney general and the federal government, where their joint task force, have been on stops. And mm -hmm. then you go and talk about how many people you've stopped who have serious felony warrants, and on and on. And I don't have to tell you guys. Ted Kaczynski. Right. Ted, Ted Kaczynski was the gold, stopped. The Golden State Killer. Stop, Golden State Killer. These are just minor traffic stops, <laughs> and we end up catching the bad guy. To take that tool away from law enforcement is is really putting the public at risk. Right. Yeah. So, well, thanks for that, Randy. I appreciate the update. Um, those were definitely some of the bills that uh, we received a lot of calls on and, and concern. As you stated, uh, you know, Porax on 51 bills, 23 of them are dead. But in reality, we're actually working about 300 total bills uh, through the legislature. 
Um, so June 2nd was the, had to leave the house of origin. They're in the new house. So now we have to work, uh, on the bills that we're working on. Um, and I believe they're back in committee right now yep. and this will go until December, right? Or November? I uh, know it ends. The session will, this year is a non-election year. So it yep. goes two weeks longer. It ends in the middle of September. Middle of September. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we have a lot of work ahead of us. I appreciate everything that you do. Um, I, I know Damon and I both will tout you uh, throughout the state. You know, you're one of the best, if not the best, in the appreciate state of California it. when it comes to advocacy. And uh, PORAC is, uh, we're blessed to have you working for <laughs> us um, because it is, it's, it's a monumental task. Uh, it, you know, it feels like uh, we're, we're pushing against a tidal wave <laughs> Uh, a lot of time on these bills, but you know, you said it best. You just got to take them one at a time, one at That's a right. time. Uh, pull your hair out if you had to like sit there and recognize that all of these are happening at once. But if you just sort of focus at one and, and you work it, and you just sort of check them off the list as you go through. That's why we always talk about uh, being engaged and, and involved at the local level as well. Um, relationships matter, and your ability also to talk to them from the local level helps us up here at the state level, helps Randy do his job, helps us do our job. It's a, it's a team effort, and we need everybody engaged. Yep. Yep. I agree with you on that one, Damon. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of On the Job with PORAC with legislative advocate Randy Perry. We hope you found this discussion informative and engaging. As we bring this episode to a close, we'd like to extend our heartfelt gratitude to all our PORAC members and the dedicated men and women in law enforcement across our nation. Your unwavering commitment to keeping our community safe is truly commendable. Remember, safety is paramount, so please take care and remain vigilant out there. Be smart, make the right choices, and have fun. Till next time, stay connected with us. Keep up the great work. Together we can make a difference. Thank you. PORAC is California's largest law enforcement organization and the largest statewide association in the nation, representing over 77,000 public safety members since 1953. Our monthly podcasts, as well as past episodes, are available on PORAC.org, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, PORAC's YouTube channel, or where popular podcasts are downloaded. Be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms and tag us with your suggestions for future show topics. To learn more about our organization, visit us at PORAC.org. We are Porak.